One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Adrian Clark of PremierLeague.com. Believe it or not, next season's Champions League has already begun. That was a short summer, wasn't it? The transfer madness will continue unabated. Take Liverpool. They must pay £70 million for Naby Keita on the strength of one good season for Leipzig. Should they pay up, John? No, I don't think they should. I mean, I, I do admire Jurgen Klopp. I think he's trying to get his business done early um, and really trying to recruit well, isn't he, and strengthening the squad. But I think that the, the issue that they've got is they don't want to sell. They've got the player. They don't need to sell financially. They don't need to buckle when you know one of the biggest clubs in, in, in Europe, i.e. Liverpool, come in. And so basically they can name their own price and they can play hardball. It's a question, I think, of how much Liverpool want him. I can't really see the Liverpool paying that sort of level. I mean, you've got to be sensible about these things, as good a player as he is, because he does dominate in midfield, he really does. And I would argue that that kind of deep-lying sort of midfield area is one aspect that, that Jurgen Klopp would, would look to improve. Well, yeah, what price do you put on improving the team? It's mm, as simple as yeah. that. And it, it, from what I've seen of, of Keita, I really like him and I do think that he's the type of player that would improve Liverpool. He's, he's a really good box-to-box -box player. Mm. He, he can lie deep and probe and, and, and obviously defend, but it's the way he breaks forward. He plays so many lovely give-and-goes, breaking into the box to score. Young, he will get better. If Liverpool do recruit him, and I do think 70s inflate. I mean, only three years ago, but they also got Alexis for under 40. That's yeah. how. But that's a, that's the pattern that's emerging, isn't it, in yeah. this window? It is. Yeah, the, the prices have gone have gone boom, but. W it's no surprise because everybody knows the numbers that television companies are paying Premier League teams. So these overseas clubs, they're filling their boots, aren't they? I think with this player, Liverpool have seen the model, haven't they? With with Keita, um, also come from Salzburg, Mane was was there, um, African player. It's, it's a similar route, and I think they see him as being a player that w would be worth more than seventy in a few years' time, and they could get some of the best years of his career. I think it'd be a great signing. But 70 feels uh, overpriced. Because if you look at you know, uh, Mo Salah as well, you, you brought him in, signed by Chelsea for 11, sold for 15, comes back about five minutes later for 34 to Liverpool. That shows you the, the inflationary spiral that's going on. I just feel with Liverpool that at the moment they must have seen something in Salah that, that we just didn't get the glimpse of at Chelsea. Was he given a fair crack at Chelsea? Arguably not. I think, the, you, you, you know, originally when he was at sort of Basel, for example, he absolutely shone. He had, a, he had sort of the ingredients of a lot of 
clubs that wanted him, and Liverpool wanted him before, mm. of course, before he even went to Chelsea. There's no doubt about it when Klopp talks about his dynamite pace, mm. for example, he has got this dynamism and sort of real strength and power. I think he needs something to kind of almost complement and be a backup and, and also be an alternative to Mane. Such an important player for Liverpool. And also, he's, he's, got, he's, sorry, he's, he's scored 29 goals over the last two seasons, which is more than any Liverpool player. Yeah, brilliant yeah. last season. Goals and assists for Roma. He's matured. He was mm. very young when he came to Chelsea. So, again, he's a, he's a player coming into his peak years. What we saw in Liverpool last year, the at times when they they laboured, they couldn't get in behind mm. opposition defences, especially when Mane was out. And he's that guy, isn't he? He's got that drive. He can power in behind. He's a much much better player than he was at Chelsea, mm. based on what I've seen and the stats outline that. Um, he's but, also but he's talked not... about he's talked about maturing not just as a player yeah. since Chelsea, well, but also as a person. Well, you would, wouldn't you? He's going to play for Roma, Roma, big mm. city club in in Serie A. It's a bit of pressure there. He would have grown up, wouldn't he? Um, it, they'll be acquiring a guy that's infinitely better than he was at Chelsea. Whether he's the worth outlaying for at the moment above other positions, I would question. For me, Liverpool still need a better goalkeeper, three defenders, maybe a defensive midfielder, before they even think about getting a forward player. So uh, he must really like him. He's mm. in the clock mould. He will close down, he will press. He'll play um, high-energy football, um, but but in my view, Liverpool need to prioritise what they do or prioritise signing players that are better without the ball. It's going to be a, a case of mathematics there, isn't it? Mm. There's some talk that they'll get rid of about up to ten fringe players, acquire around about a hundred million. If only it was that easy. <laughs> Moreno, fifteen million pounds to Naples. Are you sure? Well, I just think those sort of things are, are crazy, aren't they? Maybe he's better suited elsewhere in a different league because he just, as a fullback, he just cannot defend. I mean, it's been an absolute categorical disaster that one, hasn't it? I mean, he was just. It seemed to me that sort of Klopp took him out in the first season, basically put him back in and gave him his chance, sort of have him work with him a little bit. Arguably, let him down in the, in the kind of the Europa League running. Um, and then gave him his, his sort of kind of did actually start the season. It's easy to forget that, and so gave him another chance, which was you know very good of him. And then quickly bombed him, <laughs> uh, you know, because you have to, you have to be ruthless. And there was no way back for him. And all season long, James Milner has kind of really filled that role <laughs> with great distinction. Yeah. But it just shows you that he's got a natural left back in Moreno. And yet he's choosing to play a right-sided midfield player, <laughs> left-back, rather than the, the natural player. And that shows you the imbalance in Liverpool squad. That's not Klopp's fault, in fairness. And I think Klopp has got to go through so much work, so many players. But what I would say is that every time you feel that he, he goes through a player, you feel that he will get that player, improve him, bring him into the system, put him into the team. And as a player, I'd want to be wanted by Jurgen Klopp mm. because basically you feel as if he's got an energy and a passion, he's got a coaching ethos that, that would appeal. And if, if he was basically between two clubs on a, almost a level footing, mm. I'd go and work for Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool because you feel that he would back you 
and he'd improve you. Daniel Sturridge wouldn't agree. Well, no, <laughs> but doesn't isn't that the point? He's, right? there, he's there already, though. That, isn't he? That's yeah, the point. Know, so. That's the point, Adrian. You know, you're, you're you're a former player. You know, you like the manager if he picks you. You can't stand him if he doesn't. Yeah, and every manager has their own type of players. Yeah. They all have their favourite styles, don't they? Have players. It's Mind you, could argue that Sturridge got him in the Champions League with that performance at West Ham. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, no, look, you can't improve yeah, every yeah. single player. I was wondering, yeah. Napoli <laughs> scouts, by the way, they, they need to have a word with themselves. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they need binning. <laughs> Talking of, of binning, um, you know, the the assumption was that the Van Dyke transfer was dead in the water. Mm. Now, surprise, surprise, the FA said there's no case to answer about mm. alleged tapping up. What does that tell you about? It's just a farce, isn't oh, it? I'm utterly bemused by that. I mean, it's just bizarre. I mean, look, we, we should be absolutely clear on this. Every club does it to a degree. It's about what degree you do it. They are. They were by no means the only club who went looking for Van Dyke and sounded out Van Dyke and Van Dyke's representative. So make no mistake about that. Unfortunately, Liverpool, you know, were pretty, you know, publicly outed, shall we say? They're quite naive by the look of it. Yeah, it looks it a little bit and. I, I, look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm certain that other managers are in the frame as well. <laughs> but I do think, well, once you're out there, and once Liverpool mm. almost admit their guilt by apologising, the Premier League has to act. Otherwise, ev everyone does it. Everyone knows everyone does it. But once you almost apologise for yeah. it... Well, now that you said that, shouldn't they just scrap the laws, the tapping yeah, up laws? Yeah, I just scrap that. it. Because, look, if someone came in for you, and a rival newspaper, they would they would phone you up or they'd, they'd, they'd arrange to meet you privately and have a chat, and then you'd, it's up to you, you decide. Um, obviously, clubs, have it's always within their right to sell or to keep yep. the player. I just I don't really see the problem with it. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, mm. in, in any walk of life. Other, if other employers want you, they can they can find a way to, to sound you out, can't they? I just, I just think that, that, that with this happening here and Liverpool confessing to it and there's no punishment, then what's the point of having that rule? I absolutely agree with you. Scrap the rule, otherwise there's, there's just no point Make in doing it. The Premier, the Premier League didn't really want to act on it. That's mm. the truth. And I got that impression immediately. And they were anxious for both clubs to make peace. And in fairness to Liverpool, not many clubs would have done this. They apologised publicly and privately. Mm. Fair play to them for that. And then basically said, right, we'll walk away. Well, what's this space? Because I still think he's got legs. I, I think he'll go. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He will go there. Well, he is the one player Liverpool desperately needs, Virgil van Dijk. He would propel Liverpool from top four candidates into possible title candidates. I, I really rate him. I think he's, mm. uh, he's a top-notch player, potentially the best player defender in the Premier League so so I'm not surprised they're going all out for him and if it's going to cost an extra 10 maybe maybe mm. they should just do it maybe it's a fine isn't it <laughs> <laughs> unofficial fine mm. what do you make of what's going on across Stanley Park at, at Everton they got their business done pretty early um, looking at youth mm. you know, San, Sandro the Spanish under 21 international looks a bit of a snip at 5 million <sighs> not all um, do you think they're doing it the right way? I do. I've re been really impressed with them. Um, I mean, basically, they've done their business early. Um, they're getting bits and pieces around the squad to improve it. So, you know, sort of Sandro in the classy. Um, you know, there's talk of, you know, another couple in the next couple of days to, to, to be confirmed. So I do think it's clear that they are working that system. It's kind of almost Steve Walsh is taking his, mm -hmm. his real effect there. I think every club was looking at 
uh, Sandro Ramirez, basically, because he was that snip, wasn't he? Mm. He had a buyout clause. I know that all the top clubs looked at him. Everton have gone and said, look, you're coming and play for us. Um, and he, he, he could be... You know, a real superstar back in the making simply because he's had great grounding and he could explode again. I think Everton really catch the eye for doing that good early business. Yeah. Well, as you said, you know, you, you might not be very complimentary about the, the Napoli scouts. No. <laughs> but under Walsh, you know, he's, he's recruited from, from his team yeah. at Leicester. Mm. So there's a very strong team, an accent on youth. You can see the plan there, can't yeah, you? Yeah, he's... he's an elite scout, I guess, isn't he? He's got a proven track record. He's done, done excellent in the last few years. I would say they've overplayed a little bit on Davy Klassen. I think he's an OK player. That not quite sure he'll take them to the next level. 27 million's <laughs> the, the, the new sort of yeah. 10 million. Exactly. Million. The issue Everton have got is what's going to happen with Lukaku. And it, it appears that they will sell him mm. fine. Okay, for the player, that's that's good news because he wants to play in the Champions League. He wants to prove himself on a bigger stage. But Lukaku is Everton. Lukaku is their team. Mm. Take him out of it. You can buy five strikers, but who's going to be as good? Who's going to be as lethal for Everton next season? I think Sandra Maria is, is a really astute mm. sign and will score goals. He won't score as many as Lukaku. So I think going to have to do a lot of spending, a lot of reinforcing, particularly in that forward area, because if he goes, the shortfall is going to be huge for them. Mm. What about um, Ross Barkley? Some talk that, <laughs> that Tottenham still might be waiting for the price to no, drop. Wants him, do they? Yeah, I think it's a really difficult one for him because I think he's been offered over a hundred thousand pound a week at Everton. I'm not sure he'll get that at Tottenham. I d- well, no chance. Actually. Shouldn't no. he stay? Shouldn't Barkley stay? Well, he should, Adrian. But if he if he's been basically being told by the manager, you sign the contract or you go mm. with a year left. What does he do? I mean, the one he doesn't thing... fancy him, does he? Well, no, he doesn't. But where I feel bit... it, it would, if, if he doesn't fancy, him, he wouldn't have offered him a contract. No, I agree with that. But I think the sooner you, you've also, I think, you've got to balance that against the sort of the, almost the, the the kind of protecting the asset. Um, yeah. aspect yeah. Of, yeah. of any contract okay, yeah. and you've got to do that I think with Barkley where I think he's been very I think almost badly treated we hold up Everton as a, as a great grounding for English and youth talent yeah. well is he giving Barkley a fair run he's gone out and signed Classy he obviously wants Sigurdsson as well mm. there's no room for Barkley and I also think, has he been too harsh on Barkley? I think at the start of last season he was. He was almost making Barkley, you know, a, a focal point and such a point that basically the, he was being singled out by the yeah, Everton Yeah, I think fans. that's because he cared. I think he, I think he was trying to get a tune out of him. I, 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 I don't, honestly, I I think, don't, no, I no, don't you know, know that sure. that was good man okay. in management. No, I think sometimes you have to... Prod players, don't you? Just to, to, to you can't always have mm. the arm around the shoulder. The, the issue Barkley's got, in my opinion, is that Barkley couldn't get into any of the teams above Everton. In my opinion, Everton, at the biggest club or the biggest team, he could be a key man for. Mm. It's as simple as that. If he leaves and he wants regular football, we have to go down. We have to go down a down a level. Mm. Not not you know in terms of Premier League quality. I think he's been blown up to be something he isn't quite yet. That's, mm. my, that's just my answer. But you can opinion. understand why they wanted to make uh, almost a symbol out of him because you, you go into mm. the uh, Finch Farm yeah. at Everton, the yeah. training centre, yeah. you go down to the academy end yeah. and they've got a photograph of an under-18, Barkley, yeah. centre stage. So he's gone through the system. He, he represents continuity and you know, the local mm. boy made good. Mm. 
it's it's sad that it could end on it a sad note. It is sad, and I, I, I believe it's the best place for him, Everton. I don't necessarily buy into the fact that Koeman doesn't rate him. I don't. I just maybe he's not sure about him yet. Uh, but they wouldn't have offered him that deal, I don't think. If if yeah, um, yeah. I, I just believe that Kuman has put pressure on him to sign, and Barkley he hasn't jumped at it. Has he? He's keeping his no. options open. He clearly feels like he can do better. But but no one has. No well, one's where I on had it. an issue with what Kuman was saying was that I remember doing Everton Man City, so it was in the first half of the season. It must have been around December time or something like that. At, yeah, from I from memory. Lukaku scored a good goal. Yeah. Yeah, and basically Man City started really well and were on top of the game. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, here we go, a good away win for Man City. Ball comes into Barkley uh, a couple of times and he was a little bit, you know, sloppy in possession, for example. And the crowd are sort of, you know, they'll deny it, they, they always do, but we're sort of groaning. And you could hear this audible kind of, oh, not again, mm. sort of thing. Mm. Well, how does that make the player feel? And that, I personally feel that that's because of the public outing by the manager. Is that good management, man management? Not for me. And I feel that, you know, Everton turned that game around, they won well, and I remember it because, you know, Guardiola then said after that game we're out of the title race. I mean, it was as simple as that, and oh, Everton that won well, there, yeah. okay. you know. And it was, it was relatively early in the campaign, but, but, but Barkley then had a purple patch and came back again. But I just feel, has he, has he managed him well? Has he got the but best do modern out managers, Not modern managers me. don't, to me, ha appear to have the time or the inclination to act as diplomats. <laughs> you know, look at the way Jose Mourinho has treated some of yeah. that Man United squad. Yeah, but, uh, manager, but when did managers suddenly become nice guys? I mean, mm. I play for loads of managers. They're constantly on my back. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't they judge each player a bit individually? Yeah, of course. That's what the best managers do. They're, they're psychologists. Yeah. They know if you're the one that maybe needs prodding, you're a bit too chilled out, then, then maybe the, a manager would start coming for you a little mm. bit more, being more aggressive, whereas, whereas sensitive Mike over there <laughs> might, might be someone that he, he needs snowflake. to he might need to praise Mike even though he's having a bit of a nightmare. It's all about knowing people, mm. and um, I think that's all that Kuma was doing. I, I genuinely do. Um, and young players, Ross Barkley's had it all his own way. He's been the, the prodigal son, as you've described at Goodison mm. Park. His pictures everywhere. Maybe Kuma said to him, "Well, you can do better than this, and I'm going to make you better." Mm. And I, I believe, given the fact that he's not quite at a level where he would walk into any other team above Everton, it'd be better off sticking sticking with Koeman. Mm. What do you make of what's going on at Tottenham, John? You know, there, there's some stories that they're linked with uh, young Hoffenheim fullback Jeremy Toljan in the German mm. under-21 team. Are they prisoners of the business plan? Well, they've certainly got to make it work financially because I do think when you sort of almost your top earner is, is Harry Kane, you know, I think he's, he'd be lucky if he's sort of pushing six figures on, on that, on the weekly wage, which is, is, is difficult. And they are in a way, and they've got to kind of keep on that. And But I do worry sometimes about when you hear noises out of kind of, you know, Carl Walker's obviously looking mm. to get away, and I'm sure he will this summer. Yeah. I think the players will, will put up with, I say put up with, but basically will want to kind of win trophies before too long. They've got a really nice squad there, but there's nothing like winning silverware for me. And yes, they've kind of they gone close a couple of seasons and flirted with the title mm -hmm. race, but I do think they need to kind of take that next step beyond. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they will get restless players. Mm -hmm. And the more players then that they kind of have to get on that bargain basement on the, or on their way up, then I think that it just lowers that squad 
um, a little bit down. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think they still get sort of kind of all, they might get Sessignon, for example, mm. um, which will be a good investment, I think. Oh, um, excellent. He's a superb player. Yeah. But, and I think still with Spurs, they represent Plus. the best place yeah. for a young English well, definitely. talent. Definitely, and Pochettino gives them a chance. They're, they're building something great there, and from footballing reasons alone, no, no one would want to leave Spurs at the moment. You just wouldn't, I think. Mm, I don't know. Carl Walker? What, because of the lure of trophies? I do think there's an element of that. Yeah. I think there may be the contracts. I, no, a... I, think it's the, I think it's more financial. Yeah. I think, I think the, the reason Spurs players, some of them are unsettled, is that they're hearing whispers when they go mm. on international mm. duty that players that are their equal are getting double and they're feeling a little bit hard done by it. It's human nature, I'm afraid. And, and while Spurs are paying significantly less than the rest, that's the problem. Mm. So across North London, John, uh, is Prudence still in residence at uh, the Emirates? <laughs> I don't know who's still ever in, in residence, to be honest, Mike. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a difficult summer for them, I do. I think, you know, they're, they're obviously trying to change things up a little bit behind the scenes. I don't know how much effect that will have in reality. Um, I think there's a very, very good chance that they'll lose Sanchez. And I think they'll end up signing Lacassette, but they need a lot in that squad, I think, because there are... Like like Liverpool, they've got a lot of players sort of kind of who obviously need to maybe move on. They've got a, quite a sort of raft of players with a year left. They need to kind of balance the books. It's streamlining, doesn't it? Yeah. Do yeah. so. think... you think they're a million miles away? I don't think they're a million miles away, but I don't know that they're, they're title contenders. I think there's probably too many players that, that aren't quite good enough to take the club forward that need to go mm. and then just bring in a, a smaller nucleus of, of quality. Mm. You sound very gloomy there, John. A bit, yeah. Yeah. A bit. I'm not... I, yeah, you, so you're not... They I, need to get some business I, done. I take it you're not, you're not buying into the Mbappe dream, then? I just think, I just think look, that it's a genuine effort, um, but do I think it will happen? No. 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 Well, they're going to give him... Was it, Monaco, which is probably his least attractive option in <laughs> financial terms, they're going to give him a 900% pay rate. Well, it deserves it. it, 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 it look, Mbappe yeah. is Henri reincarnated, no yeah, doubt about it. He, he's, but if Wenger pulls that off, he turns everything around. Yeah, of course he? he does, and he, he's desperately trying to. He's, he's, by all accounts, you know, trying every trick in the book. You know, he's, he's befriending the family. He's in there, in the in a sanctum, trying to trying to get this deal over the line and. For Mbappe, there is an argument to suggest it might be the right stepping stone move. Go somewhere like Arsenal for a few years um, until Barcelona and Real Madrid lose Messi and Ronaldo whenever that day comes, and it's only a few years away. Then Mbappe is the guy that they'll all be wanting, and he will be the figurehead and break all the records, I'm sure, going forward. He's an unbelievable talent, Mbappe, and I'm, I'm pleased to see Arsenal going for that kind of player. Um, for Alexis, it, the question is where will he go? By Munich, there's a lot of competition for, for places mm, there. Mm. And at Manchester City, you can you can argue very much the same. And, and would Arsenal want to they sell They couldn't countenance that, could they? You don't sell to your rivals. Well, no, no unless uh, there, there was a story surfaced this week about Aguero, Alexis Swap, which, yeah. which tiggled me because I, 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 it sounds like fantasy. But I think that is the only palatable way that Arsenal fans would accept Alexis moving to another Premier League team if they if they got Aguero. I'd do that too, wouldn't you? Get Aguero. I, I, I think it's a really quite a fair swap, to be perfectly honest. I think, yeah. Same age, uh, both different qualities, but but I, yeah, I think it'd be a fair swap. As for if Arsenal did lose Alexis, then you need two players, unfortunately, to, mm. to fill that void. Lacazette for the goals part, 
and maybe Thomas Lamar, the Monaco player, for, for the creativity side. If, mm. if they were to get Lamar and Lacazette and lost Alexis, you're about even par. Yeah. Are, are you just waiting to say a fond farewell to Giroud as well and, and maybe <laughs> even Walcott? Yeah, I, look, I think Theo Walcott, you know, clearly towards the end of the season didn't play as much. Um, and he, mm. you know, I think he's he, a decent option on, on, on the right-hand side. I mean, you know, I always think of Theo Walcott. He's, he's, he's been at Arsenal and he's been in the England frame for a decade. He gets derided easily, Theo. Mm. But I tell you what, being at the top for a decade takes undoing. I think sometimes he's a bit underappreciated. He's a good player to have in the squad. It's a hard battle for, for the place. I must say with Giroud, Giroud is invaluable to Arsenal. Mm. He's such a good player because basically you look at his goals uh, per minutes or per games mm. ratio, he's outstanding. He was statistically he always... more lethal than, than Kane last year in terms Astonish. of chance conversion rate. Mm. He, honestly, he was, I think Giroud is too good for West Ham. Full stop. I can understand why they want him. Mm. And we but... started the show by talking about a, a young midfield player for 70 million. Mm. You're selling an accomplished, no, no. experienced striker who scores goals for 20 million. I wouldn't be getting rid of Giroud. But, but the problem is, I guess, Giroud might want to be the, the first choice. No one wants to be the super sub, do they? No. Even though yeah, super, super, sub, super sub, subs can can win a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> you get paid the same money. Yeah. You come on, mm. you make an impact. Um, I, I sometimes think players undervalue the role of a sub. They, they feel like they're cast aside, they're completely cut adrift if they're put on the bench. It's not the case. I think a lot of subs can, can be really important players, but uh, no-one wants to be thought of as that. I wouldn't sell Giroud. I think maybe Welbeck might be more under threat, actually. Perez probably go, I'd imagine. Welbeck might be under threat if Lacazette comes in, because that's a guy that can run in behind. Giroud mm. something, offers something different. The one player I wouldn't sell, it's Oxlade-Chamberlain. I don't know yeah. if you're going to come on to that. Well, it's just uh, about to. You yeah. know, Liverpool, Chelsea, you've mentioned well, that. The clubs that are in for him tell you all you need to know. They all want him. And if they all want him, I don't think Arsenal should sell him. <laughs> he, could, he, could, he could play in so many different positions, especially in this new formation. He's a really useful wing-back. I think he will develop into a quality central midfielder. We were talking mm. earlier, John. Had a bit of a nightmare for England alongside Eric Dyer, who also struggled. It just didn't look like a good match. But I think he will become a good central midfielder. And he can also play in the two positions behind the striker. Invaluable player for Arsenal, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I'd be offering him a really good deal this summer to stay. And I, hope, I desperately hope they can get that over the line. Let's broaden the debate a bit if we can, John. Uh, Chris Willock, mm. one of the brothers... Mm. Very promising product of, of the Arsenal system, youth system. Possibly going to Benfica. What does that say about the frustration that some of our most promising young players are feeling at the lack of opportunity in the Premier League? Well, I do... Th yeah, I think it's an incredibly valid point. And I think it's a bit of a knock-on effect in that, that basically... I'm not sure that, that Willock has basically had the best past year in terms of development... Um, and I think that's obviously had an effect on his kind of on his progress. Mm. But look, the, I don't think you should always blame necessarily the player for that because basically, if you have a bit of a sticky year, mm. and so you've not knocked on quite as much, you have to ask yourself why. And I think part of the problem, and I think this isn't just Arsenal, but across several clubs, is that if you cannot see the kind of the the the, the gold at the end of the rainbow, if you if you like, basically, then which is, i.e., the first-team place, 
do you lose a bit of momentum and focus and desire and determination? I would argue, well, of course you do. Well, because that, that. Take, that take, absolutely, that takes it away. It takes it away. Of course it does. Yeah, of course it does. You've got to, you've got to really believe it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember coming through the ranks, and I really did believe it, and 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 was fortunate enough to get a chance. I did okay when I got in there, and then when I came back out, I just felt that it didn't matter. It was a change of management with Arsene Wenger coming. I just felt at that point mm. there was not because of my age. I was approaching twenty-two at that point. I felt that there was no way through. Mm. There was no way. It didn't really matter what I was going to do. Mm. Then I was dismissed as a as a as a first team prospect, and there were other players rightly so, as it turned out, coming through that they were going to give a chance to. When you feel that path is blocked, you, you, your motivation mm. is, is affected. Mm. Of course it is. Some kid got, called Overmars got in Yeah, there, Overmars, yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> I couldn't have too many complaints about that, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But, but what I do like about this thing and uh, about that link is it's Benfica. Yeah. Like, that's, that's quite exciting, isn't yeah, it? If you're yeah. a young player, I mean, if I went to South End. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, if Benfica had come in for me, I'd have been very excited of the opportunity to go yeah. and learn and develop and and that, that could be a great chance for him mm. to kick on and, and, and play in a, a different league, a league that's... You've got a few easy games in the Portuguese league if you're playing for Benfica. But you're playing for a big club mm. in big occasions. Yeah, but that's what... And also, pressure. Portuguese football, they've got a great history of recycling players mm. and selling them, mm. getting big profits from them, but actually making their careers, making oh, young players' Porto careers. Porto and Benfica, the number of quality mm. players that they've yeah. brought through and sold on or bought, improved and sold, is, is frightening. Uh, so, no, I think if I was in Chris Willock's shoes, I, I'd definitely understand why he'd be excited mm. by that. Um, what about the weird work, the Reece Reece Oxford, Oxford one? I well, found that really strange, going from West Ham for a season to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Well, I, I think that's a really good one. I think it's a good move for him. I think that's great, because I think you've taken out a player there who's perhaps not going to get that many opportunities at okay, West Ham. Why won't he get the opportunity at West Ham? Because what's, what's wrong with him? Because West Ham's defence, yeah. awful for a lot of last season. But why, if, why if, you are, if you're in a team that's short of confidence mm. and basically struggling, is it the right environment to put the kid in? I don't know. Well, what, but what, one what, what, thing West Ham, like when Rio came one, through, West Ham yeah, weren't top He of was league, one of those sort of what I call the myth player. You know, you hear his name all mm. the time, but you don't get any sort of tangible evidence that he's going to develop oh, into the player. Well, he's he's taken a step up in terms, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he's yeah. gone to Borussia, you know, Mönchengladbach on a year. And basically, he, I think he'll get opportunities to play there. Mm. They, he must do. Mm. I also think you, you get to mm. play, they, will, they do play. Mm. And basically, I think it's a great opportunity great for him. For it's him. a great schooling for him. He could become rounded mm. with yeah, it. I, well. I agree, I agree. But, but I just don't understand why West Ham have, have been... No, when, when, when they need good defenders, why they feel that he won't improve them next year? They must be—they must have seen something West Ham that they're not sure about mm. in Reece Oxford, and I guess we're maybe we'll find the answers to that in the, in the Bundesliga. Mm. Chelsea, their first signing of the summer, Deshaun Redan, 16-year-old mm. <laughs> from Ajax. Mm. That tells you everything you need to know about the way that the market's going. Well, Manchester City, they're going to sign uh, Barcelona centre-back this week, Eric Garcia, yeah. 16 years old, for about £1.3 million, cheaper the price. It's got so bad that now we're importing young players mm. who then basically get in the way of our own young players. <laughs> Hasn't it ever been thus, though, in a way? I think it's more pronounced now. Do you? Mm. I, I, I think there's always been this mm. layer of 
particularly, I mean, the, 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 sort of the, the top six clubs do it quite a lot. Man City have done it, Arsenal mm. have done it a lot. And there, there's, this, there's this layer of players that do block mm. almost the pathway. I think Chelsea, obviously, you know, prevalent are doing it. Going back to Chelsea and that kind of, you know, if, you, if you're going to have this sort of promise and this opportunity to go and play, I do feel that a lot of those kids must get frustrated at Chelsea. Mm. I mean, I've looked at the under-21s games. Mm. Lewis Baker, I don't know whether he'll make it at Chelsea, but he, he's he's shone. He's in each definitely game. a Premier he's, got, he's a mid-table Premier League player. Yeah, he's a shallow a, absolutely like a Southampton no, type like player. I mean, I do think if, if we are in a shortage of having holding midfield players mm. who are English, but isn't it better not, for like I, I, when kids sign for Chelsea and Arsenal and these clubs, mm. these and even uh, contradicting what I said a moment or two ago, I guess with, in regards to Will, I think a lot of them actually. Probably never believe they're going to play for that team, but mm. they're getting that grounding, and then eventually they will be sold. They will get the experience. It doesn't really matter which route you take, as long as you get there. In my opinion, I think you will get there if you're good enough. Mm. And these Chelsea do players, you? yeah, I do. Mm. I do. You can be unlucky, and you need managers. You need backing at the right times. Of course, you do. There are a lot of good players that could have had better careers because things didn't fall their way. But ultimately, if these Chelsea, all these talented Chelsea kids, they've won so many youth cups and, and everything else. If, if they are that good, they will make it uh, to the somewhere highest. Else. They but will make it somewhere. That's else. what Chelsea are doing. But, but, is that they are making? They, they are creating players for other yeah. clubs. They're making a lot of money. I think they've brought in about forty odd yeah. million pounds on these little bits and pieces. How, how many so, of them have done so well at their loan clubs that Chelsea have felt compelled? We got to play him. Or how many have gone somewhere else? have been so good that Chelsea have thought we have to buy them back. Only Matic. Mm. Um, well, talking yeah. of Matic. To Manchester United, mm. your Conte, would you sell him? I'm surprised. I think it's a good deal for Man United because I think if you look at it and analyse it, what he's done at Chelsea, he'll I think take, he's... he'll take some pressure off Pogba as well, won't he? Yeah, he will. And I think I think he's he's the best of his type in that in that role. Particularly, I think it, it was interesting under Jose when they first re-signed him. He was definitely much more disciplined in kind of that that shield in front of the uh, in front of the back four. Now, is it in this particularly in this new system, he's a little bit more probing, isn't he? He gets forward a bit more, I but I still think he's a he's a good signing for United. Something about Matic, I'm not sure about. You know, there is there's something about him. He was brilliant for one season, and the, the the poor season, he was so far off it. Mm. It was unbelievable. His attitude. Wasn't right, and he wasn't the only one. Let's mm. be honest. Um, it's surprising that United no. have gone back from because because part of their issue with the attitude yeah. seemed to be with Jose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right. Um, but even last season, he had some good games, mm. but he had a, a lot of bad games. Matic, the mm. cup final being one of them, he was terrible in the cup final. Absolutely awful. I just think something about him. Mm. I don't know if you're going to get. Consistent excellence out of him, um, but for 40 million these days, bargain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you expect much else going on in Manchester United. You know, we're waiting for Morata, aren't we? Yeah, it's got to be Morata, isn't it? I do think he's the one that that, that Mourinho would like. Um, look, I think if it were a more reasonable price, I'm sure he'd probably be in the market for a Lukaku, for for example, as well. But I think Morata, I've never quite seen what it is about Morata. I. Th- I, I st- Almost struggled to kind of pigeonhole him, and it's just maybe that's that's my yeah. fault. But uh, is he prolific? No. Is he dynamic? No. Is he absolutely lightning quick? No. And it's but he's a good all-round package, yeah. I guess. It's and better I think footballer be... than someone like Lukaku. He mm. is. Um, 
Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. I, I, I do like Morata. I think he'll score a lot of goals. Will he get as many as Zlatan? Maybe not, I'd suggest. Um, but but the, with him, Morata and Rashford, mm. love to see those two, two combining. I think with those two, United will be well stocked for strikers and goals next season. But yeah, Morata, he's, he's a hungry player, isn't he? He, mm. he? He's done very well at Juventus, at Real Madrid, to a point. But there are lots of people that, that aren't sure about him. He's, he will have that platform at United and we'll find out, won't we, how good he is. I think he might surprise a few people in a positive way. Mm. Huge season for Jose next year, isn't it? It is massive. I mean, there's still that, that kind of debate out over his first season. I still think when you win two trophies, I mean, he'd say three. It's only two. <laughs> yeah. Boring, um, though, Boring, John. It wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't a dynamic, free-flowing football that, that basically you'd get with, with Fergie when he would win trophies and entertain you. Not just it Fergie. Wasn't. No, I'm doing, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Other teams, you can do it. You can do it. Have, no, I'm, I mean, at United. <laughs> but it's just, I do think, uh, I think he's he's got to kind of almost find that system isn't he i still think that united at times last season in the lineup was a bit of a mishmash you know with players playing out of position filling in the gaps and kind of making up numbers and i think he's got to have a little bit more of a plan and a settled thing when he does that jose i think he'll, they'll they'll be contenders look Foolishly, I actually thought they'd win the league last season just because of the Jose Mourinho <laughs> yeah. factor, largely more than anything else. They were a long way short of that, they've and got, I still think they probably are. Got, they need so many more goals. They need to find 30 more goals from mm. somewhere. They just didn't score enough. Mm. Defensively, very good. Organisationally, superb. You know they like that under Mourinho. Mm. But he, he's got to find a way of producing more entertaining football. He, he has to. Talking about entertaining football... Crystal Palace fans have been promised total football by Frank de Boer. <laughs> um, you know, a man who, who sees himself probably as sort of the reincarnation of, of Johan Cruyff and Louis van Gaal. <laughs> that realistic? Well, I, it's a weird one with, with, with de Boer because I think to, to many ways, I think his, his, his name and nationality precedes his managerial CV in that basically, has he set the world alight as a manager? I, you know, Do we read bad. too much into the Inter Milan disaster? Well, yeah, I think you should read something into it. It wasn't great. It's, a, it's a, definitely a blot on the copy. Didn't book. have a pre-season, did he? He yeah. didn't. Yeah. And look, I think it's a great, great. It has to be seen as a great coup for Crystal Palace. But fundamentally, you're not going to be judged as, as a manager on his name. Yeah. You're going to be judged about, uh, particularly so. at Crystal Palace, on what he achieves I, on the pitch. I think there's a fifty percent chance it will go horribly wrong. For De Boer. I, I genuinely think it's a 50-50 appointment. And the fact that he's already talking about the style slightly worries me because when they tried to change the style under Alan Pardew, tried to play a bit more expansively, it all went a bit pear-shaped for them, didn't it? I think that is that has to be very much the long game for De Boer. But, but people in Holland rate him. He's, he's a good organiser. He, he does focus on the defence, which Palace will need. But, but there is, there's a good chance that he might fail. He's one of the five former Barcelona players now are managing in the Premier League. You've got Pep, obviously, Coman. You've got Mark Hughes, Frank de Boer, mm -hmm. and you've also got Maurizio Pellegrino, mm -hmm. who is going to catch out a lot of us next season because mm -hmm. one of us, I'm going to say it's going to be Pellegrini uh, or uh, you know, Pochettino. <laughs> um, He's gone into Southampton, said almost the same thing as De Boer, in as much as, I'm not coming here, this is not a stepping stone for me. Well, yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Good move 
for Southampton? <laughs> Southampton are a club that normally have this process in place and basically they see it coming from months out. And it was obvious, I think, towards the end of last season that basically Poyle was going to go. What surprised me was having this succession plan, which has worked very nicely in the past, thank you very much, they clearly didn't have it nailed down this time okay. because they were looking at others and I think they've ended up with him. I think they wanted someone who's a little bit... I mean, he's got reputation as a nice guy. I think they wanted someone who's a little bit more tough uh, than Poyle, perhaps it will play a bit more attractive football than Poyle that's because at case. home, that was... Mm. That was oh, that's the kick. That, that did I mean, it, didn't it? Was, that, that well, was, of course. Southampton fans were, were, gamble, bored, were bored stiff, weren't they, by yeah. the football? It, it, what, I, I commentated in the last Southampton games last season. Uh, they were so dull. Like, he had to go. He, honestly, I know he took him to a cup final, but he had to go. I think this is a good opportunity for Pellegrino as well because they will be better. They will get more points. 46 was about as low as that team should have got. Mm. They should have got at least 56, pushing into the 60s, really, with the, the quality they got there. He's got to sort the dressing room out, hasn't he? There's a bit mm. of unrest there towards the end of last season. Um, but he comes with a really good reputation for dealing with players. Uh, very thorough. Hates losing by all accounts, but also when 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 they win, he's always looking at, at playing it down and finding a way to improve them. I think, I think it's a it's a sensible appointment. Mm. Let's give let's give them a chance. But I just I'm just praying mm. that Southampton are much better to watch this year. Do you think he'd have learned a lot under Rafa Benitez, um, you know, at Liverpool? Well, I tell you one thing. I, I I do think it's incredibly important is is to kind of almost respect the competition and the country that you're in. And I think that, that that will just give him so much grounding. And I think sometimes it's difficult to come into a different sort of kind of territory and and, and, and feel your way. And no matter what, which sort of level that you've worked at before, you get a feel for, for what the country is about. And I think, it, you know, I think, I mean, look at, you know, for example, Gary Neville at, at kind of mm. Valencia, suddenly thrust into a different league. We all watch Spanish football, but do we feel the fabric of it? Do we work in it? You know, I think we didn't realise what a huge club Valencia is. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's, I think it will really do him so much good. And that, yeah, that kind of background and that kind of, he'll know the intensity yeah. and the expectations. He'll know what Southampton is about. And the, the structure in the league. Yeah, and hopefully it'll, it'll give more young players a chance. It's the way it's, it's been for Southampton through through the years, and hopefully it'll give give them opportunities. With Frank de Boer, you do know that if you're mm. a good, uh, going back to that quickly, if you're a really talented young player at Palace mm. now, I'd be really excited mm. uh, because it, this is a guy that is known for giving the kids a chance. So hopefully they've got the talent at Selhurst Park because he would definitely give them a chance. Mm. Finally, you know, we mentioned Rafa Benitez there. You know, inveterate politician, bit of a control freak, well, a complete control <laughs> freak. Where's it going with Newcastle? He obviously hasn't had the impact in the transfer market that he wanted so far. A lot of murmurs off about Mike Ashley. Where do you see that going, John? I see it potentially going very, very bad. <laughs> Look, I think Rafa Benitez has got this combustible reputation, and rightly so. He basically... He wants it done his way or, or, or the highway. And it's still got, I think... I still think that there's a few chapters and episodes of that soap opera to play out. I mean, it's obviously that he's won his first battle, isn't he, with, with sort of, yeah, you know, Carr, car, for mm. example. Mm. And it, that's pointing in the direction he wants to kind of almost redress the balance of the, of the players that they're signing and the targets. Mm. But has he got the... Has he got the sort of the lure and the power to bring 
you know, players of a calibre that he feels he's, he needs he, he to missed, He missed out on Tammy Abraham, who was, who was yeah. actually, when we were talking about young players earlier yeah. on, he could be the one that actually breaks the mould at Chelsea. Yeah, good player. I think he'll do well at Swansea. I think, yeah, he looks real talent, doesn't yeah. he? And he holds the ball nicely. But everyone in football that I spoke to had assumed that he was going to go to Newcastle. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. Newcastle need an influx of talent. They've got a basis of a really nice squad there. He loves a bit of rotation, doesn't he, uh, Rafa? So he'll, he'll use everybody. He'll get some numbers in. But he just needs to raise mm. the quality a little bit. He can't just rely on Dwight Gale for goals, for example, this season. Last year... Newcastle, Mike Ashley needed Rafa, and Rafa needed Newcastle. It was it was a means to an end. Now they're into the promised land, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And and you wonder if if Rafa pushes it too far, Ashley might might let him go. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I wouldn't be surprised. Well, if he Rafa had that experience, walked. didn't he? When when Chris Hutton mm -hmm. brought them up. Yeah, and I wouldn't Soon be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if Rafa walked, if he doesn't get the funds he needs, because Rafa will, will stroll into another top job. So, yeah, I think interesting times at Newcastle. I hope he stays, because I'd love to see a competitive Newcastle moving forwards. But for them to be competitive, you can't just have Rafa. He needs the cash. You don't mess with Rafa. Always remember, Newcastle need him more than he needs them. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.